So oh, you guys definitely. ready for this? Let's yeah. get it. Fucking ready. You guys good? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rested? Belly's full. Of beer. Cue the intro music. Welcome one, welcome all to another installment of the 1st and the 15th. My name is Anthony Barrera. Uh, coming from a remote location is my co-host, Mr. Jaime Virgen. What's up? How's everyone doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, we have a pretty special guest on the podcast here today, Mr. Jacob up, Juarez. Guys? I am Jacob Juarez, resident actor and ornament of Salinas, California. Ooh. There you go. Ornament. That's a nice touch. That's Thank a great you. thing, man. Glad to have you on. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Jacob is a very accomplished actor. He's a musician. Uh, he's toured all up and down the area. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Some of your, uh, some of your accomplishments, oh, man, accomplishments in the uh, music scene? Definitely, yeah. man. Uh, I've been playing hardcore shows since... Okay, well, to start, I've been going to hardcore shows since I was like 14, maybe, is the year 2005 that was fucking gnarly that was 15 years ago holy shit (laughs) um like couple 10 years after that what was that and i was gonna like what kind of music is like punk like punk just just hardcore punk yeah punk some uh, some metal in there as well there's a couple death metal bands thrown in every now and then but uh yeah the hardcore scene it's actually like very very diverse really you know you got like your you got your, like your straightforward youth crew, straight edge bands that sound just like a fucking youth attack. You know, sounds great. Okay. Uh, then you got you know you got your like fucking super tough guy bands, total like knuckle dragger, nut grabber, fucking hardcore music. You know, think of like fucking, <laughs> think of like what like two thousand five hood shit, like like Waka Flocka, but if it had hard hardcore guitars and shit, you know. And then, uh, yeah, again, you got, like, your favorite, you know, you got your deathcore bands, you know, Disentombed, uh, Disembodied, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. yeah, shit goes on. It goes a on. Of, that's a lot, that is a lot of different yeah. genres. I had no idea there was that bunch, like, a different See, varieties it's, of it's, the same kind of It's really music. funny. When I first met Jacob, it was at an acting class, and uh, I was, uh, I was like, I'm straight edge. I don't do drugs. I don't drink. Jacob walks over to me. He's like, "What's up, fool? You claim straight edge?" <laughs> yeah, that was me. And it was like the most. Int- I had never been pressed like that about being straight edge. <laughs> yeah, boy. Yeah, I was straight edge for a bit too. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, being so. So actually, I do want to know when um, when you were playing music, or even you got into listening to the kind of music. When you just when did you decide you wanted to like be a part of that? Um, you know, like really just start putting in your own. I'd say what I really work, I suppose. okay. We I would start bands here and there, like throughout high school, but never like really got off the ground until I actually mm-hmm. picked up a guitar myself and started making my own songs. Um, next thing you know, like around the end of high school senior year i have one band that's been playing shows that were called knockout we played like a lot of really good shows uh that didn't last too long but then uh, a lot of us got back together and started another band called losing it and that was like right after high school that was some good time too you know we we toured uh, as much as california as we could uh another punk in the theater was in that band as well my good friend gabe alviso uh, he was actually, yeah, yeah. He oh, was our really? singer. He's, he's been doing theater a lot longer than I have. He's been doing it since he was a kid. 
I, I didn't start till I was like 21, maybe. And this was after losing it broke up was when I found theater. Yeah. yeah. And oh. then uh, in between that as well, I eventually started the, my latest band, Gardens. Uh, we haven't been doing much, but uh, we have an EP coming out. Hopefully it comes out soon. We want it out now, you know. Uh, but yeah, that's, oh, yeah, I'd say that would be my most accomplished hardcore band because... Man, we've gotten to go out of state a couple times. Um, and how is that? Like, going out oh. of state on tour? Like, is it, is it hotel arrangements? Like, how long does it take to plan something um, like that out? Well, one, you know, being like a small band, DIY band, you're really kind of like reaching out there. Like, hey, my band's touring, and we want to stop at this date any uh, promoters or, or, or venues or even basements that can hold us up for the night, you know? Um, next thing you know, some people are like, hey, yeah, I could get this show started, blah, blah, blah. It'll be, in, it'll be here. Um, next thing you know, we got, we got a tour set up. We got several different dates set up, LA, Portland, whatever the fuck, you know? Wow. And um, yeah, usually when, we, usually when we're playing the show, that's our time to sell uh, ourselves like, hey, you know, we need a place to crash. Help us out. And eventually, someone yeah. usually puts us up. If anything, yeah. uh, we've we found like a couple public free camping grounds, so that's helped too. Mm -hmm. Oh mm -hmm. shit! Okay, and you're just like what? Post mm -hmm. up in the car? We brought we brought tents before. Yeah, it's hella fun. Hella fun. We got a tent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's really there, fun. Dude. That or like somebody has like family in another city, so they'll keep us out there too. Yeah, yeah. I just want to. No, it feels like being. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was born. just gonna say I want to give a big shout out to my buddy Braxton from uh, Inland Empire, Lake Elsinore. Uh, yeah, he uh, he put us up out in San Diego for like three days straight with his parents, and it was fucking awesome. Yeah, it was oh, cool. Shit. His parents were great. And I had a great time. It was like three bands sleeping in one apartment. It was great. <laughs> yeah. What yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's... Those got to be the coolest oh, yeah. parents. Ever, <laughs> like, oh, you got three bands <laughs> coming through. I cool. Did they treat you to bed? Did they treat you oh, like dude, Yeah, we got shit? there. There's dinner ready for us. I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yo, the welcome mm -hmm. wagon. For real, that's the treatment mm -hmm. that you want right there. So let's talk about your uh, your theater okay. background now. Like you said, it was after uh, losing it that you started. Uh, Losing it and finding theater. <laughs> uh, tell us about that. How did you find it? How um, did you get into that? Well, to begin, theater? my uncle Chago, Chago Juarez, Luis Chago Juarez of Bakhtun 12 uh, Theater Community. He has been doing uh, theater at like Alicell High since he was in high school and eventually to El Teatro Campesino. And all my life I've seen him do like all the Pastorella plays and La Virgen de Tapayac. Yeah, I'd seen him do a lot of plays throughout my life, so he's always been, like, an influence, definitely, and he also, like, gave me some of my first punk albums, too, and I, actually, I remember being a little-ass oh. kid driving around with him, and he, we were listening to Beastie Boys, and I swear to God, I had to be only, like, five or six oh, years old, and he was like, yeah, Beastie Boys used to be a punk band, dude. <laughs> I just remember tripping, you know? And, um... You know Beastie Boys, right, Jaime? Of course, man. Who don't? Who yeah. don't? Man. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. And, um, you know, uh, I'd say by the time I was 21, uh, 
I just needed something to do, so I hit up my uncle, like, hey, you know, I'm free this summer, let me know if you got any, like, art programs or anything that you want to get started on, I'm down to just kick it. Next thing you know, he, yeah, he had a, a theater program at the uh, Martin Luther King Academy over there on Sanborn, and I started out with that, doing children's theater with him and uh, with Guinan Valdez, and uh, Luis Valdez's uh, middle son, uh, second son, and... Uh, yeah, fucking, just been on that did, shit since. Did you just, did you just start going into acting, or were you just like helping along, like backstage and stuff? Um, more helping along with uh, like, with teaching. Uh, it was like a teaching program okay. that my uh, uncle started, okay. so I would kind of right. just piggyback off those but, things. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. But but when did you get? I guess start acting like when did you know that you were going to just start acting in theater um i'd say like after that program because i was mm -hmm. invited to uh what was it a midsummer night's dream for hartnell presents okay and uh that was my first time okay. getting involved with the western stage it, yeah so okay. and then from there it's just like you know what i want to i want to stick to this you know I want to stick with this. I love theater, man. Like, there's nothing more I like more. It's, it's, it's very therapeutic for, you know, people. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you this. Working in children's theater, super oh, therapeutic, yeah, man. I thought, like, personally, I would mm -hmm. dislike it because, you know, I'm not super mm -hmm. great with kids. But, like, yeah, most kids in theater, yeah. they love it. Like, it's it's like an ultimate playground for mm -hmm. them. Yeah, for sure. To, you know, I super recommend oh, taking your kids yeah. to theater. Uh as far as acting goes, when did when did you know that that was what you wanted to do? Like, what what was that moment like? You know, when like you were there and it was like a success, and you you got off stage and you were like, dude, I you know, do yeah, this. I'd say or, it was being it was performing with the with the students with the, my first round of kids that summer. Just uh, I was playing like this uh, Walmart corporate a hole, you know, and I was threatening to take away their field to build a new walmart so that way they can't play football or anything else after that you know <laughs> and yeah man, it, was, it was fun i got to play like a little it was fun. and yeah. i you know what yeah i'd say just making the kids laugh having fun with the kids i i'd say that's what really really brought me into it all mm. so as someone uh who's an admitted punk uh, how what was it like uh, being a punk in theater? It did feel a little lonely at times, especially knowing like the musical theater heads who don't stop singing. <laughs> it's oh, like oh, oh my God. Man, I don't... they love showing you yes, their soprano. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. soprano. Let me I show you. Them. I'm not name dropping anyone. I love you all, guys. Of course. Yeah, I'm just different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh no but there were there were uh, there were other like punk people in oh the yeah theater. oh yeah you mentioned gabe mm -hmm. right yeah, gabe um and then big shout outs mm -hmm. to gabe dude he's a he's in chicago right thing. now he's, mm -hmm. he's doing his thing Fuck he's yeah. a stand-up comedian fucking hell funny yeah. guy i've done many mm -hmm. shows with him he's super yeah, funny yeah. love you gabe if you're fucking watching this we fucking love and support you dog <laughs> for real mm -hmm. But you know, talk to that. Like it was, it was, uh, it was lonely at first. But then, what started to happen? Um, like, did you did more people start showing yeah, up? Yeah, yeah. You know, like um, even some of the people that I was kind of like a little off about, they would mention like some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me? You okay. too. No. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like you guys would mention some names of like, hey, 
I like that band, and that's what really helped me get a little more comfortable with the with going into another, I guess, a theater academy at Hartnell. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. So yeah, and uh, of course, who doesn't like indie rock? That really helped a lot too. <laughs> yeah, that was the bridge. That's the real that's bridge, the real bridge yeah. right there. Music. Mm. So n- nowadays, you're working in more of a film capacity. Uh, talk about the transition from going from a band to theater to then film. Wow. So, well, from band, you know, you're always wigging out. If you want to make a statement, even if your band sounds like shit, you, people will gonna are going to want to keep booking you if you guys wig the fuck out and just make it dangerous, you know? I love making it dangerous. Shit's fucking wild. Make it, make dangerous. it dangerous, bro. Like, like, it's, fucking, like a, it's like a vibe. Yeah, man, I used to... Do, I, Promoters, promoters had to tell me to stop swinging and throwing the mic around, dude. <laughs> yeah, oh, I was, I was wild, bro. Jesus. And um, as long as you're wild, people are gonna want to book you. And then with theater, you know, it's it's big and bold. You know, fucking Shakespeare's big and bold. Yeah. Your energy has to be out True. there and bold. Right. You know, you can't have you can't have ass shit. Just like a punk rock show, you know? It's got to reach everyone in mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. audience. And now, now with the transition to film, it's like, it's like you can keep all that, but you got to hold it at a certain capacity. Again, otherwise, you're going to fuck up the person who's holding the boom mic. You're going to fuck up their ears or some shit, you know? Right. Um, right. But yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's more of a containing and using and serving that energy almost you know whereas again on on the punk show on the stage show it's fuck you i'm out here none of you matter i do and when i'm on film yeah (laughs) when i'm on film it's like i feel a little more thoughtful amongst um amongst the staff more amongst production people you know um crew how how can i say it's just yeah, the transitions are so different. I, I haven't really thought about how to put it into weird into words, but um. Well, I've I've worked with with people that have gone from mm-hmm. theater to film, and I've worked with people who have gone from film mm-hmm. to theater. It seems like going from theater to film is a little bit easier than it would be going from it film is. to it theater. It much is, yeah. And uh-huh. like, and I don't know, man. I saw them like I saw per- the person going from film to theater struggle like in terms of being able to project and put themselves um, out there in that kind of space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know because you know you when you're in film there's yeah. a mic, you know. You know mm-hmm. you're going to be able to hear you. Right. When you're on stage are are we going to be able to hear you? Right. You know? Are you going to be open up? Are you going to let your voice choke up in here, you know? There's a lot. There's a lot to it. And with um Again, with film, it's it's a new challenge because you're you're finding ways to to contain, contemporize, and and consolidate your energy, you know, and how to project this energy to make a strong fucking image on film as well. You know, your eyes, your eyes say it all. Your eyes mm, say it yeah, all. True. You know, it's great. And um, I just finished watching Nauticals, Mexico, and my new favorite actor right now is Scoot McNeary. 
Have you guys heard of Scoot McNeary? He's on uh, he's on that movie possibly. Killing Them Softly. You guys watch Killing Them Softly with Brad Pitt? Oh yeah, oh, he's yeah. one of the yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's one of about. the he's one of the mm-hmm, main guys. Mm-hmm. The guy, mm-hmm. yeah, and um, he's really good. Yeah, he's a great actor. I yeah. I really liked him a lot on yeah. uh, on Nauticals. Now, what I have to say about eye contact, man, this was uh, like a really thing that they had to stress on us with uh, the film acting classes. Like there are moments in that show where you think that fucking I, this this goes for like all film acting as well you you feel like these people are cross-eyed almost but it's no it's because they're focusing one other eye in that lens you know because again or yeah we're trying to get your story and the best way to get that story out is mm. both not just one eye with both of them you know, mm. you know? Yeah. it's the windows to your soul man <laughs> yeah <there it> is. <laughs> so is there anything in particular you're working on now not at the moment. Uh, I do have a script that I, I need to get back to. It's only like a minute long script. I sent it to someone. They were like, yeah, you got to add like five, ten more minutes to this. But um, it's like a, it's a usual. It's like a fucking story that I'm sure all of us can fucking relate to, especially us young brown men in a city like Salinas, you know? <laughs> fucking, you know, you, you, you usually have that friend who's like dipping their feet into banging dip their feet out before they could do it and it's just about like you know a script about making choices because you know you're you're making a family um Mm. you're making you you gotta fucking separate your boy from your man you know what i'm saying and uh yeah like i i need to yeah i need to fucking bring that script out i'll I'll send it to you guys one of these days probably after this yeah and it's like it's a it's a funny play it's a quick little minute long funny two person two to three person play yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, speaking of mm-hmm. uh, scripts and writing them, let's uh, let's uh, we have three mm-hmm. writers here on a podcast. So why don't we talk about a little bit about you know script writing and the art of it? So uh, what are what are your favorite type of uh, characters? Favorite type of characters for me? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Like reoccurring characters, I suppose. Um, oh. I like cholos. I love hombres, bro. <laughs> I love cholos. And if I could make like, mm. if I could do like a, a Latino Liz Estrada, kind of like the way uh, Spike Lee did a black one with, uh, mm-hmm. the, I, okay. I would love to do that. I would totally make a Cholo be like the Dolomite chorus leader, you know? Oh, man. Yeah. You should yeah, do that. Yeah. I mean, it, mm. you know, there's always like these ideas going around your head. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh man, that'd be an interesting idea to do, because I have never seen that, or maybe I've seen like a version of it, mm-hmm. and maybe I want to do a twist. Like, I know there's like one mov- movie I'd like to make in the future, which is I want to make a Zorro oh, movie. Dude. Like, a, I'm your you know guy. What I mean? like, Look at that hair. I mean, I, I like. I'm your guy. I'm your guy for Zorro, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, like I like what they did with Antonio Banderas. Oh. I want to see like a cool, just like modern. But even like just make it cool. Just make it a cool, interesting like history mm-hmm. about California, oh, yeah. Zorro. Like it's basically Batman. Yeah, yeah. like a Zorro Batman's Batman. very much Do you based off get Zorro. sued yeah. for making like an underground Zorro? Um, who I don't know. Do you think we'd get sued for? We making probably an could. Underground yeah, we probably Zorro? could because uh, yeah, probably Disney could. owns that. Yeah, owns yeah, that. Disney owns Zorro. <laughs> Shout out Disney. That'd be cool. I guess. <laughs> No. Oh, no. <laughs> What's up, Disney? We like we Disney. Like Disney. 
It's a very Disney-friendly hey, show you know here. What? I love The Mandalorian. Um, I'm loving the new season of Clone Wars. Holy shit, the new season of Clone Wars is great. Hmm. I haven't seen it. I gotta yeah, check it great. out. It's great. See, a lot of people got Disney Plus when The Mandalorian gets got out, and they didn't realize they were going to have to wait every week yeah. for a new episode. I just waited until it was all there. Boom, got my month free. Binge watch that shit. That's Boom, what's up. Done. They wanted to extend it. Mm-hmm. I, I like the the once a week app. You know, it, it made me feel yeah. very it's felt very cable. You know. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's like what I don't days. like about Netflix, where you get all the shows yeah. at once and you binge it, and like it's been three days, and now you have. Yeah, I just binged before. High Score Girl yesterday. We watched every episode, man. Yeah, it was nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, how about you, Jaime? What are your favorite types of characters? Um, actually, yes, I was going to say, let's get back to it. Um, my t- favorite type of characters usually that I go back to are, I'll write, it's usually a woman, you know? It's usually a woman about probably someone that I used to know. Like, I take like, these little attributes from a, a woman I used to know, and I put them in these characters just because I think they're so interesting. Like, the little things that they do or say or whatnot. Like, one of my biggest characters that i've created that wasn't even i didn't even intend for it to be a woman but someone told me like why why that character should be a girl it would work so much better and uh, that was my dr kramer my elizabeth kramer character like that was born uh, originally it was a man and then it just um my theater teacher miss bernhard she was like why don't you make it a woman mm-hmm. and i was like oh shit yeah and so I've had that character two days nice. to this day. Like I'm still going to use her. Like I want to make a whole universe just that's for her. Like, fuck yeah. like based around her. But yeah, I go. That's one character I go back to a lot. It's like, are these like strong, like women? These powerful women? I have no idea mm-hmm. why. But that's something I do. I do go back to and like try to recreate again and again, over and over, but in just different ways. Mm-hmm. You know. That's awesome. Um, but that uh, uh, was uh, uh, a word of advice was, I had gotten. Uh, once from uh, Elizabeth was that the best way to uh-huh. write a woman character is to write her like a man. Uh-huh. we're all we're, we're really all the same, <laughs> you know. That's yeah. interesting. That's that's kind of what I'm doing, you know. That's kind of what I, I haven't thought about it that way. But when I do like think about this character, um, she she does have those qualities because actually she's you know based. Well, the, the, her father character is based off of um, Robert Oppenheimer, you know, the guy who invented the atomic bomb. Mm-hmm. And so she's just taking the, the qualities, the right? She's just taking those qualities, really, like, and just learning from him, just basically becoming like her father. Mm-hmm. So I can see how she can have those attributes. Yeah, yeah. That are yeah, quotes mm-hmm. like a man. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I've always been more... Uh attuned to like the rogue character hmm. like the one that you don't really know what his intentions are or hmm. her intentions are interesting a you mystery. don't really know what to expect from them but they play a crucial role in the plot of the story at some point and that's what i like i like having like a an ace in my back pocket hmm. that i can pull out and just play when I hit a certain point and like oh here's where i can insert this person and now we have second wind in the script sick you know? yeah a rogue character, interesting. That's so you know. It's what's interesting about all these characters that we even mentioned. There's so many different types of people, 
in the world and you can create any world you want and, you know all these different types of characters are ultimately just archetypes though you know mm-hmm. like there are people that yeah, we've like, seen before playing off of like when people say that every idea has been thought of and every you know script has been written mm-hmm. i don't agree with that because like we have an entire oh, world yeah. around us true and it's always changing individuals with different personality traits different wants needs desires right at different motivations for the things they do, mm-hmm. and like any one of them can be pulled oh, from yeah. to make. Yeah, a Yeah, politics has a lot to do with that too. I mean, just look at what's happening right now. Uh, you got people of different identities. Yeah, you, you got. We have a fucking pandemic that's going on. You know, fucking people are suffering, and it. You know that writing suffering uh, like fucking like like I can if I can quote um, Henry Miller. You know, no real writer is not a writer unless they're a sufferer. And there's, like, some real fucking suffering happening in the world right now, you know. And, again, you know, these stories haven't been written, and they need to be written. Because these stories, yeah, and they they will will be written. Fuck yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's uh, writing can be very politicized as well, you know. Writing can be very fucking politicized. Sometimes you don't want to take it there, and it's just going to happen naturally, you know. It's It's a a risk. risk. Yeah, Mm mm-hmm. Well, anytime you make social mm-hmm. commentary, it's mm-hmm. a risk uh-huh. because of the stance mm-hmm. you take, A, and B, what mm. you say on it. Like, I don't know. But I like, think... you want to you wanna talk about politicized writing, turn on the TV and switch oh, to yeah. the news channel. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it, writing is a great tool. It can be done, it can be used to make great things happen, but mm-hmm. it can also be, you know, made really? to devastate mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. You know, the power of the mm-hmm. pen is a mighty thing. Mm-hmm. True. We just got to use it right. All right, we're running up on uh, 25 right, minutes right. here. Uh, let's let's get to uh, quickly uh, quickly becoming one of my favorite segments, uh, the shithead of the episode. So I'm going to start this off. <laughs> I'm going to start this off. Uh, my shithead of the episode is going to be uh, Mr. Steve Sands. He's a photographer who uh, took pictures of Jennifer Lopez while she was uh, in a movie. Jennifer Lopez then uh, posted a picture that he took on her Instagram, and he is suing her for $150,000. Now, she posted a picture of herself that he took, and that was grounds for a lawsuit. I... I get it, you're a photographer, you need to make your bread. Right. Apparently, she didn't go through the proper channels of getting the rights to the picture. It is intellectual property. I get that. She's in the but picture? $150,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a picture of her. Oh. And it's up to like 600,000 likes or something on Instagram. Yeah. But really, $150,000, it might be a drop in the bucket for her. Yeah, but that's yeah. Outrageous. It's really outrageous. Come on, whatever happened to that's photo cred? <laughs> right? Yeah. True. I don't know. At least tag him in the picture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Oh, that crazy times. That does seem a little like too often. I mean, it's not, that's not that much money. Yeah. I'm sure she can pay. It, but she, I guess it's just about like why? Why do mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know? I mean, you know, sometimes things get a little convoluted. Like, I'm sure a phone call yeah, could yeah. have been made. Things get a little convoluted, you know. But I don't think you should sue someone for one hundred and fifty thousand right. dollars for that shit. Right. Yeah, for a photo over a picture yeah. of themselves. Mm-hmm. So, say that it's yours. It's like you don't understand the camera that I use. The camera that I use <laughs> is an IMAX million dollar camera. So, 
Yeah, it's one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's ridiculous, honestly. Yeah, especially because it's on. It was on Instagram, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, Instagram. Yeah, that's. <laughs> he. What happened is he saw an opportunity to uh, to get a shitload of money. Yeah, and not even that and he much. He hired money. a lawyer and he did it. Yeah. No, it's just that's just stupid. So what about you, Jaime? Who's your shithead? You know, actually, I was thinking about this, and my shithead is actually. Some people might disagree with me, but maybe they might not. Um, my shithead is J.J. Abrams, <laughs> because Damn. of a few things. I'm sure some of our Let's hear it, baby. Disney. Let's hear it, baby. <laughs> no, I'm not going after <laughs> Disney. I'm going after J.J. Abrams specifically. Okay. Rolling out so, the Super Eight. I mean, yeah. we all saw Star Wars. We, we all saw. I mean, I love mm. Super Eight. But we all saw Star Wars Force Awakens, and we were like, okay, yeah, this is fun, this is nice, but it seems like a copy of... A New of Hope. A New Hope. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're like, okay, yeah. we'll brush that off. And then um, The Last Jedi was made, and it was different. You know, some people were outraged. I liked it personally. That's just me. But And then Star Wars Rise of Skywalker came out, and it was not... I don't think it was as good as... I think they just messed up. They weren't like even JJ did not. They weren't paying attention to each other. You know? Yeah, they were just all out <laughs> of the place. Yeah, they 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 just made their own thing, and I think it could have been better planned by JJ and like all of you know the Star Wars people, Captain mm-hmm. Kennedy as well. But I do actually want to mention about JJ what infuriates me about the whole thing that I think he was unsuccessful with that movie, right? And then, for some reason, they want to keep giving him work. So HBO Max just greenlit mm-hmm. him to do three original series. His production company, ultimately, is doing these. It's going to be a Justice League, Justice League Dark series, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, they're going to do a Stephen King's The Shining um, kind of um, show about the Overlook Hotel. And I can't remember. I can't remember what the third one is. It doesn't say here, but I mean, just to give the guy three things. You really got the keys like, to like how franchises worth billions, right? And he's just gonna muck them up. It's like, oh yeah, let me make it on HBO. Let me just do it. I did Star Wars. Let me do right. it. Right. Let, <laughs> let me do it. I don't know why people are backing up this yeah. guy. I don't. I don't get it. I mean, I, Super Eight was really good. No, I, I. Yeah, you know what? I hate to say this because like I don't want to put down other filmmakers. But when you're not making like good work, it makes me upset because I looked up to mm-hmm. you at some mm-hmm. point. You know, I was like, man, yeah, this guy, can, this guy has potential. Because I remember when he made Star Trek, and that was like the big movie, like the big movie for him. You know, he's still yeah. a young, a young director, J.J. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Abrams. So that's why I'm just kind of upset, man. Yeah, he's just he's a shithead right now, and they're giving him like more shit to like fuck up and. I don't want to see that yeah. shit. <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. That's just me. But mm-hmm. that's, that's just me. Some people might have their opinion right. about JJ. I, um, I appreciate, I appreciate you, his... Um, I appreciate, like, his energy that he put in to the Star Wars franchise, you know? I appreciate, yeah. like, yeah. Uh-huh. I what he tried to do, I guess. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I'm still yeah. a very big fan of the new sequel trilogy. I understand why people don't like it. Personally, 
Personally, I like it more than the prequels. <laughs> try, try yeah. watching all three of them back to back. Oh, I did. Trust me, I did. I have. I did. I'm, oh, I'm on okay. my chronological <laughs> right now, bro. Yeah, you have nine hours. I just to finished. Spare, I you? finished prequels. I'm I'm moving on to Star Wars stories, then OT, then ST, and okay. yeah, bro, fucking. But I totally get you, dude. Like I, I, I yeah, I think the Last Jedi was my favorite they're, one out of this new season, new series, dude. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah. I don't want to get into it because it'll be a long conversation. It would, yeah. But, yes. uh, but okay, my shithead of the episode. I'm sorry. I'm like all into Star Wars now. Dude. You're good. You're yeah. good. I know. I know. Um, I know. But uh, my shithead would be Tucker Carlson and other far right names from Fox News and all, like uh, the Proud mm-hmm. Boys as well. Uh, Gavin McInnes and. Uh, and even fucking Richard Spencer and all the well, Richard Spencer is he like he's like kind of fucking turning away from Trump later lately. But oh my god, all out of these fucking kinda, like kind of easy now. Like I know the alt right aren't really a problem anymore, but I mean again, we just have like all these fucking far right nuts fucking protesting uh, their governments right now over these stay at home orders, and it's just oh my god, you people are so fucking out of touch. Stop. Right. Like fuck, bro. Everything they live in their own little yeah, dude. Whatever, whatever we fucking whatever pattern we figure out as, and when I mean we, I mean like us colored community. You know, whatever fucking pattern okay. we figure out that isn't right to our standards, automatically we're called uh-huh. by these fucking white names, Tucker Carlson, and all these people that were fucking victims uh-huh. of the system that they created to us. You know what I'm saying? That shit pisses me off, bro. Because now, okay, so you were planning on incriminating our entire fucking people, you know? You were planning on fucking, on making fucking white people more fucking able to give more power. power, Yeah, dude, it's just fucking wild, dude. So I really don't like Fox News. I really don't fucking like Tucker Carlson. Um, Again, I'm a punk, so it's very, I'm very much against the establishment. (laughs) Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it does come full circle now. It kind of because it's like ultimately too is it, it's that writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that what you were saying earlier, mm-hmm. you know, Anthony too is like it's like a, that tool. They use it just in a negative way. Yes, mm-hmm. you very know, much to negative way. Just br- break us down mm-hmm. and just rise them up. Yeah, or whatever, exactly. You, know? you, you were speaking about the pandemic mm-hmm. we're in, and. Uh, Huntington Beach in Florida was open for 26 minutes before it got flooded with people. At this point, if you are still going out, it's natural yeah. selection at work. Seriously. <laughs> yep. Like, if you're stupid enough to, like, oh, I don't need to social distance right now. Right. I don't need to not have this disease. Go ahead, get it. Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but if you are going yeah. out, <laughs> but, it, but if you are going out, you know, wear gloves. PPE. Wear a face mask. PPE. Mm-hmm. You know, just stay uh, personal yeah. protective. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'd like to thank uh, Jacob for coming on the show. Thanks, man. Yeah, like, for it sure. was really Hell cool. Yeah, dude, it was to great you. doing this, uh, man. Thank you. Learned a lot, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah, me and Jacob go back a ways. Uh, hopefully, you'll see us on our project soon. Yeah. Hopefully, yes. the theaters reopen, man, because I'm dying. Oh, I know. You know, what, last oh, yeah, la- uh, last <laughs> thing I did was just uh, a couple months ago, and uh, no, yeah, like just before this fucking quarantine started, it was like March. Fifth through the eighth, I did a, I did like a weekend show at El Teatro, and yeah, man, like that's why when the COVID was getting pretty little serious, COVID was getting a little pretty serious, you know. But yeah, that was my first time on stage in like a year and a half, guys. It felt fucking good. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only five minutes, but it felt imagine. fucking good. <laughs> All right, yeah. Just wanted to close out with that one. I wanted back. Yeah. Yeah. I want to thank Jaime for co-hosting, doing a great job as always. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This this has been the first and the fifteenth. Uh, have a great day. Woo. Right, Goodbye, everyone.